You are listening to the podcast of Open Life Church. We are located in Bonnie Lake, Washington, and meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Bonnie Lake High School. Thank you for taking the time to download our podcast or visit our message archive page at livinglifeopen.com. If you are visiting us on our message archive, I just want to make you aware of two things. First, there's a link just above the audio display where you can download our fill-in-the-blank handout. And second, after you're done listening, we would love for you to follow the link on the upper right side of the page that says Let's Connect. Here you can tell us a little bit about yourself or tell us something that we can pray with you about. Feel free to give us as much or as little information as you'd like. Wherever and however you are listening to us today, we are excited you are here and we hope you enjoy it. Now here's today's speaker. Uh, part nine in our uh, series inspired by the book of Luke. We're walking through this this book of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the recordings of Jesus' life at the beginning of the New Testament in the Bible. And Luke is specifically writing to help us grasp with certainty that Jesus is the Son of God. And we that day, on September 28th, kicked off this series on the disciples of Jesus. And they were to go out. Twelve of them were sent out to encourage people to follow Jesus, and that day spontaneously we baptized those who had chosen to follow Jesus and wanted to go public with their faith. As on presentation computer back there, James is like, yeah, that was my day. And you're even wearing your shirt today, James. That's awesome. Looks great. Uh, so a lot of fun. What a, a wonderful day. And now we're jumping into this moment here. We're now jumping into Luke 10. We'll start in verse 1 here in a second. It, uh, it, it's kind of cool because it's gone from 12 people just five weeks ago or six weeks ago. Now Jesus is going to send out another 72. So now there's 84 disciples going out and making a huge impact on a very quick time frame according to the way Luke recorded it. It's not necessarily in chronological order the way Luke writes this gospel. But let's jump in here today. Uh, Luke 10, verse 1. We're going to go all the way to verse 24, so I know some of us in the room, you know, like 10 verses in, that's our listening capacity dies about that point. We're just kind of like, but I'll emphasize when we should kick back in. Maybe I'll break it up a little bit. But it's, are you that way? It's like, you know, 15 verses or 10 verses, 12 verses, that's like our max, and then our brain goes and freezes like a, like a PC, Pretty much, because Max don't do that. Here we go. Um, after this, bless the Lord. Did you hear this? This is a tangent, and I'll have these moments. But uh, did you hear how mad the surface is at the NFL? Have you heard that report? Because the reporters keep saying, by the way, the surface is Max version of the iPad, right? And so, uh, and and so they keep. They keep on saying that iPad-like machine they're using. The, the, the commentators keep doing that on the NFL, and Microsoft is so mad because here they paid $400 million to have them use the Surface Pro on the sidelines, and they keep calling them iPads and helping Apple's marketing. Okay, here we go. Uh, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So again, it's in addition to the 12, right? 72 others, and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Where he was about to go. 
He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it'll return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Did you catch that? He went from a house. Now he's talking about a town. Okay? So first it's a house with a person of peace in it. Now it's a town. When, he, when you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, Jesus is about to show that it's not sin to get angry. Catch this, verse 13. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre. I don't know how to pronounce any of these. I'm making them up. Tyre or Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No. You will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me or rejects him who sent me. Wow, I got tongue twisted there too. Isn't that awesome? Whoever rejects, see, and that's where the kicks in, right? Verse 16 there. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me, Jesus says. So now he's going to get a little more positive. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even, even, the, right, Danny, don't you, can't you picture this? Lord, right, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. 
For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Blessed are the eyes that see. And that's where I got the title today, Blessed Eyes. Blessed Eyes. I want us to consider what it would be like to have blessed eyes. I don't know what stands out to you in this text. There's so much here. (laughs) This is a big chunk. We could have done a 12-week series on just this segment, but we didn't want to spend five years in Luke, so we're going, to, we're going to crank through this today. I want to ask you a question that's just been perplexing me all week long, and it's this question. What is the most amazing thing you have ever seen? Because blessed are you have eyes to see and ears to hear, right? So what is the most amazing thing you've ever seen, just kind of start to process it, think about it. In fact, Thanksgiving's just like a week and a half away. We're doing the big give and handing out all these meals next Saturday in the community. We're going to be blessing people, but we're talking about like right now, what inside of us overflows and like, wow, Thanksgiving and praise, because it's just like I was able to see that. All kinds of things came to my mind. I think some of the quickest, and I even asked my kids, like, hey, so what's the most incredible thing you've ever seen? And it's, it's pretty awesome from their different perspectives, you know. Uh, uh, you know, like Preston would say, Russell Wilson. <laughs> I was like, he's pretty impressive. And uh, got to admit that, dude. He's pretty infatuated with Russell Wilson. So if he sees the number three, he thinks that's Russell Wilson's name. And... Uh, so, speaking of the Seahawks, score-free zone today. Don't keep it to yourself. Uh, don't let anybody see the NFL Network streaming on your phone right now. So, anyway, we're, uh, you know, it's, it's, he would say Russell Wilson. Jaden said the most amazing thing. That's our seven-year-old. She said the most amazing thing she's ever seen is a snowflake. Don't know where she came up with that. And then, uh, and then Jocelyn and Jenna both went with... Um, the rice fields in Indonesia in the summer of 2013. We spent 30 days there helping pastor a church in Sarabaya, and we're going back, taking a team. We have a meeting at 3 today about that trip, and, and it's just like, it, you know, they're just like some of the things they saw there. It's just like, where do you, when do you ever see that? It's like shock to the eyes to be in Bali and see these rolling rice fields and just go, wow. That was one of the things I actually thought of as, as well. Uh, in fact, I, I also thought of on the flight home from Indonesia, it was at night, and we were going over Tokyo at night, and the lights, no way I could ever explain it. I tried to take a picture of it with my cell phone, and it did not work uh, at that time of night. It was just like... Oh, it was awe-inspiring. There was a lot of light. And, uh, uh, but just kind of from a cool 30,000 or, I don't know, maybe higher level. I don't fly planes, so I have no idea how high we were. Uh, but it was, it was pretty incredible. But then I started to think, well, those are all kind of non-spiritual, right, in a way. God allowed us to see those things and blessed us with those opportunities. But then I, you know, I was thinking, like, anybody who's a parent, the birth of your child is one of those moments of like, there's no way this is just by chance. 
There's no way. This is a miracle of God, this life. You know, so that's pretty crazy awesome. But the most, when I started just listing all these things, I came down to this one moment, and it's what, and, and Dana, my, my wife, kind of landed on this too, this moment that was just a total gift of God. When we were in our first youth ministry position in Spokane, we did a youth choir tour. Doesn't that sound fun? Students in the room are like, yeah, let's do that. You know, but anyway, we went on this youth choir tour. It was actually a lot of fun. It was kind of like this mission tour. We'd go from, from parks and churches and, and uh, wherever we could go. We, we designed this, this event in the fall and started you know, practicing every week for it. And we, we felt the Lord tell us to do a tour called Call on That Name. And so we, we were going out to do this this thing called call on that name. And the whole premise was when life is troubled and you just are overwhelmed, you just have to call on the name of Jesus because he'll give you the hope you need. And we scheduled this trip, which its farthest point was this unknown little city in Colorado at the time. Um, and, and, and right at this park next to the school, called Columbine High School. And in the spring of that year, in April, there was a mass shooting at this high school called Columbine High School. And a memorial was set up in this park where we had scheduled a concert. It became known as Memorial Hill, overlooking Columbine High School, and that's the very location we had one of our concerts scheduled for to help people understand that when life falls apart, you should call on the name of Jesus. Do you think God kind of knows some things that are going to happen ahead of time and puts people in spaces? But that wasn't the most memorable part of the trip. We found ourselves in a women's prison called Excelsior Youth Center. And they put us into this theater, and there's about 50-some prisoners that are high security. There's a high security prison there in Aurora, Colorado. And we are set up to do our concert, and they tell us, you know, the same thing any prison we've ever gone into tells you, you know, not to be pretty neutral. You can say hope, or we have a hope, you know, you know but be neutral. Don't, like, say Jesus, because we can't just pinpoint a faith, you know, and, and so you're going, uh, okay, I'll trust God to allow that to happen somehow in the midst of what we're singing. And so we're doing what every good choir would do, we're singing Kirk Franklin stuff, you know, so we're, you know, we're there and we're, and I don't remember the exact song. I put one out there on Facebook last night to see if anybody remembered, but uh, Jaden thinks he was on that trip. He was this little guy uh, at the time, sixth grader, but he thinks maybe it was my life is in your hands. Uh, I think maybe it was the song he'll take the pain away, but either way, three quarters of the way, almost at the end, we have this song that just is this big crescendo moment of emotion, silent yet with narrations and, and, and beautiful. And we're jumping into this, this song. And Dana is the choir director, you know. So this is the view everybody got of Dana as she's directing, you know, right? So she can't see what's happening behind her with these prisoners. But we're doing this song. And all of a sudden, and it's kind of dark in the theater, too. So all of a sudden we hear, like, it, they're kind of tough, you know? And all of a sudden you hear, 
And we're singing just our guts out. We've prayed our guts out for this moment. We're just like, Lord, touch them supernaturally because we can't say the words. We can't do the things. And then you hear, (laughs) and we're singing and trying to hold it together ourselves because we feel the tension of the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room. It's like tangibly thick, inexplainable. And all of a sudden, the entire room begins to weep and embrace one another. And confess Jesus, and we've not even introduced him. And they give us the opportunity at the end of the concert to go down two by two and pray with these women and lead them all to the Lord. It was crazy. It was powerful. It was beautiful. And so I was kind of messed up preparing this talk. And just stuck in that moment thinking, man, blessed are the eyes that get to see this stuff. How blessed have I been. So what's Jesus showing his disciples here? Like, what are they, are they going to look back on this and go, man, Jesus, you sent us out and I think there's three things that we could learn from this that, that Luke's helping us discover. And I hope we can reflect during this Thanksgiving time for moments like that. And if you've yet to have moments like that, you'll know at the end of this talk how to be present to experience moments like that. The first point that I think we can grab out of this that Jesus wants his disciples to catch us is we need to prepare the way. Prepare the way. John 4.35 says it this way. Jesus is is sharing with his disciples in this moment where he's just talked to this woman about her adulterous lifestyle, and she goes back to this city and leads everybody to Jesus and brings them back to him. And, and it's, a, it's this cool moment, but he says to his disciples while she's going and getting people and coming back, he says, you have a saying in John four thirty five. it's still four months until harvest, but I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. Like, it's right now. Like, there's ripe harvest. Go get it. Prepare the way. We have to have eyes that are open, right, to, to see. So what are three things we could do to prepare the way? Three points inside point one, just to mess with you. You could jot these down. There's no fill-ins on your handout. But the first thing we need to do, is says right here, we need to ask, right? We need to pray. First thing that prepares the way are prayers. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. It's ripe for the harvest. So we need to ask the Lord for workers, right? I'll be the first to admit I so quickly strategize. Think of systems. Think of visuals and marketing and online and social media. And my mind goes like that. And I can go and wait, pause, pray, right? Because it's the Lord who sends out the workers, I don't have any strategy that's going to do it. I don't have any appeal that's going to do it. I can have all the best systems in the world, but unless the Lord, I need to start asking. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 say, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask, well, we better, we better ask first if he's going to do more. I have to start asking. He could do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within me. To him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I think one of the reasons we don't get results is we're not asking enough. 
Because our power is nothing, but if we ask, then it's according to His power. He gets the glory and not us. The second thing we can do to prepare the way is to, to really ask for workers. So not just pray for a moment, but we need to pray for workers. It takes people. God wants people involved in His mission on earth. He doesn't just want to come and do it Himself. He can in many moments. He's done that. That Excelsior Youth moment is not the only moment where we've been unleashed on a prison. There was another moment where we were in a juvenile detention center in Redding, California, where the guard said, don't share Jesus. And then at the end, he's like, okay, never mind. Hey, they have something you guys need. You can leave if you want to, but if you stay, you'll find out what it is. All but one stayed. They unleashed us one-on-one to pray for them. We went two by two and uh, for accountability and led the prison to the Lord, the one guy that left came back in crying and said he couldn't sit there. He knew he needed whatever we had and gave his life to Jesus. Awesome. You know, those moments are huge. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into, out and into the harvest field. The harvest isn't just magically going to walk in. It's never been a come-and-see model that Jesus led. It's a go-and-live, go-and-harvest. Then bring, because you're present amongst the need, but we got to go out, out of the church and into the risk. I mean, this isn't, he's not given the perks here, you know. Hey, you know, you're going to get an iPad, and here's some other supplies for you on your evangelism. All you have to do is show this little presentation to people. It's like Jesus said, no, go out with nothing. Go, totally go out. The, whatever you have right now, go out with that. You're ready. Whoa. What? You know? It's like, we want, well, I, don't I need four years of schooling? And, and then I got to, uh, you know, uh, study. I need to know theology stuff, you know? And then go, just go build relationships. Go Remember the names of the people you meet in, in the community and just love people and tell them that Jesus loves them. You know, it's pretty simple. But then he throws in, but you are like being sent out as like lambs among wolves. You'll be devoured. That's cool. Whatever. Have fun. You go, it's not, the, it's not good news, Jesus. So like, I'm going to go get eaten alive? You know, it's kind of that. This is kind of a little harder teaching here. He needs laborers. He needs people who just work. And then he's not promising safety. He's promising adventure. He needs those willing to take new areas and just go where people haven't gone. And he's not even there yet. He's wanting people to prepare the way for him to come. Interesting. Third thing that helps us prepare the way are people of peace. Interesting teaching right in the middle of this, isn't it? Like, okay, well, in that city, if you go there, you'll find a home. And if, if there's a home and there's a person of peace, let your peace rest on them. That means we need peace to give away, and hopefully we have that through following Jesus. But then when we see that person of peace, we, we should be looking for that person of peace, and we should be saying, here you go. The peace I have is through Jesus. It's yours if you want it. And if they accept it, let them have it. God will give you more to give to the next person. But stay there and invest in them and don't like home hop. 
<laughs> I think that would be like, don't church hop too, right? <laughs> Isn't that kind of what he's it's like, hey, here's the deal. Invest in a city. Stop going, okay, perks are better over here. Okay, it's better over here. Well, maybe I can get more of what I'm looking for. Just stop and invest in people and make a difference where you're at. Who's that person of peace that you can think of? That person that's making an impact in the world, but boy, if they just inserted Jesus into it, what an impact they would make. Right? I love figuring that out. Jesus says, says those people are, are here, they're around us, and we need to find them and, and invest into them and give away what we have to them. It's one thing to follow Jesus where he is obviously working, but Jesus here is saying we need to be courageous enough to prepare the way because it's where Jesus is about to go where Jesus is about to go. This is just so intriguing to me. There was no trail. These were pioneers. These were trail burners. These guys were taking the spiritual machete and like carving a new path for the gospel to go. And, and in our region, if you know, you do the little demographic surveys and all this, and you're going, man, we need more churches, and we need more Christians, and we need, you know, you kind of, you look and you go, 12% of people say they even go to church in our, our five-mile radius. That means, you know, there's 88% of people, somehow we have to carve a new trail to get into their world, like that's on us to be those that would go out into the harvest field. Because the harvest is still plentiful, and the workers are still few. The harvest is ripe. So he recruits 72 new disciples on top of the 12 that have already gone out and experienced this. Many are those who like to jump onto the trail after it's been made, but Jesus is saying here, we need to pray for those who would be willing to invest themselves in the riskiness of blazing a new trail. They have to have a vision for the harvest. They have to have eyes that would see. They need to work and not just see the darkness and the lack and, and the depravity around them. They need to look and see the harvest. You know, what's your spiritual vision look like? When you look at the community and when you turn on the news, do you just go, sinners? <laughs> right? Or do you see harvest? Those who God loves. Again, we need to check our spiritual vision. We need to say, oh man, I'm supposed to be filled with love, not judgment. I'm supposed to be filled with hope and peace. I'm supposed to pour out peace, not woe to you. Although Jesus did get a little angry in the middle of this, right? <laughs> he started woeing some communities. But I just look at this and go, wow. You might not feel that call to make the trail, but you're called to prepare the way. So you need to be one who's asking. You need to be one on one of these sides. You either are a worker or you're asking for workers because we need more workers because the harvest is plentiful. No workers are certainly few. We're all called to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And you're like, I'm not a leader. You're influencing someone. That's leading. We're all leading. 
Leadership is influence. And you can lead in a bad direction or a positive direction, but you're leading. We're supposed to lead people towards this path of Jesus, seeing the blessing of having Jesus in their life. So I love how Matthew words it. You know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these accounts of Jesus, Matthew is writing more to the Jewish audience, and he worded this a little different, this moment with Jesus. He, he included something that I think is, is descriptive and valuable today. Matthew 9, 36 and 37, he says, when he saw the crowd, speaking of Jesus, he had compassion on them because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus' compassion, he expresses a lot in, in Scripture, and his compassion often led him to a place of weeping, of brokenness and sorrow before the Lord. And I have to say, I was a bit messed up this week myself. And it's not just because they started watching Hallmark movies, Christmas Hallmark movies in my home. Every one of those movies, their target goal is to make you cry at the end. We watched uh, a release last night called North Pole. It was brand new on the Hallmark channel. And it had the worst episodes of product placement I've ever seen in my life in this. Would you like a cup of coffee, honey? And she's like turning around the Folgers, like container on the counter. And I'm like, ooh, Folgers. Folgers, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden the first commercial break is Folgers. The best part of waking up, you know, and you're just like, that was totally product placement. So my kids totally got it later when they were chowing down Baskin Robbins ice cream, Baskin Robbins logo right there. And they're like, oh, a Baskin Robbins commercial is going to come at the break, I bet. And it didn't, but we still had fun with it. So we were watching Hallmark stations and getting all sappy and crying. And that's not why I was messed up. This is why I was messed up. It's because there's sheep that are out there harassed and helpless, needing the peace of Jesus in their life. And the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. And I mention it all the time when I'm training other churches to launch and talking about our community. I share, like, about South Prairie, a community, tight-knit, like 400 people right in South Prairie, but like 4,000 in the little tiny radius around South Prairie with the residential areas, and not one church because the workers are few. And then Dana came home this week and shared the story about two kids in her school that no longer have fathers because they shot each other in the trailer park down in South Prairie. On our watch, that's, that's our watch. This is our watch. Like, we're supposed to be asking for the laborers. This is five minutes from here. Less, maybe. Lives lost. Our responsibility to, to pray and send out workers, reproduce ourselves as rapidly as possible, give our peace away to those that are around us. There's multiple communities just like that around us. and We're supposed to be doing something and not just resting in our comfort it's on our hands. It's, it's our city. We can't just look past it. How long can we live with it? You know, how, I don't know. Just. It's not right. And I just, I knew 
welled up with that zeal and readiness of, okay, that's it. No longer am I giving time to this. We're just going to, we're going to go crazy. We got to get ready. We got to do something because I'm sick of this. Okay. Anyway, I just was really, second point, we got to move on. I'll start crying and you'll feel awkward for me and not know what to do. So you're already there, but that's okay. Uh, Rejoice in what matters most. I love the fact that the disciples come back. Again, 72 people come back. They're like, whoa, mind blown. Like, I went to this guy and he had a demon. And he was just like, whoa, the demon came out. And I was like, ah. Matt, remember that moment where that girl was like trashing that auditorium and, and the chairs were flying all over? So uh, Matt Wakefield here, he's a pastor, but he's also an evangelist. And he was at this camp with me. And, and there's this girl that was demon-possessed, like flailing around. And everybody thought she was being blessed by God. But chairs are like flying. And we're going, this isn't right. You know? So we went up and we're just like, we asked the pastor of this girl, hey, do you know? Yeah, she's one of our leaders. Uh, I don't know about that. You know? And so we're like, something's happening there. Can, I just feel like it's not of God. I think this is demonic. And you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. And I was like, well, okay, let me go grab my buddy, who I know prays a lot, Matt, in the back. And I was like, should we go pray for it? Yeah, I felt the same thing. So we're praying for this girl. And, and, and she stops like <laughs> stuff on the ground. And and then this junior high boy reaches back and grabs her by the ankle, and we're praying, and she's just released. And we were like, that was cool. But you know what Jesus says? Don't rejoice in those kind of moments. Rejoice in the moment, the supernatural moment of people choosing to follow Jesus. Like that's the big deal. Okay, that's cool in the kingdom, right? And some churches just get messed up in that alone. Like that becomes their drive. Oh, what's the next supernatural moment and supernatural moment? And their focus gets off because our focus should be going and sharing Jesus. And we should be rejoicing mostly in the fact that people see Jesus for the first time and love and hope. And, and he's saying, yeah, the, 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 we should be really making a big deal about the fact that their names are written in heaven. That's awesome. It's like, but that's old school. I saw Satan fall. Like this is... You've had authority over him forever. That's awesome. And you're just discovering it. Get it? It's cool. But here's the big deal. Salvation. People choosing to follow Jesus. It's like, what a perspective. Isn't that awesome? Our big deal is that people would be finding Jesus in our community and we'd be represented and making Jesus known in whatever and however we do what we do. That they would discover life to the full. That they would open up their lives to Jesus. Open life. There's my product placement. I just, just for fun. Okay, Hallmark. Uh, so he sends them out as sheep among wolves because what really matters is that lost would be found. And he knew they were going to go into some dark places to find the sheep. If you want to find sheep, look for some wolf packs surrounding them. And that's where you find the, those who need saving. The lost will be found. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Wow, I have a lot of my message left, and I haven't got through all of it yet, but that's okay. Man, these peacemakers are set up to help us when we get to the cities. Our perspective and the perspective Jesus emphasizes is that we should be doing everything we can to get people into the lives of the lost, to seeing them choose to follow Jesus. Blessed will our eyes be when we see that. Final point there, revelation and the role of presence. Revelation and the role of presence. How is Jesus ever going to choose to reveal himself to someone? Because it says that the only way they know the Father is if he chooses to reveal him. So it's like the only way this is going to happen is if we're present 
sharing the love of Jesus for someone to discover him amongst the wolves. <laughs> is what we're told here. So here we are going out, listening to the Spirit of God. Jesus is revealing himself to people, but we have to be present to see that moment like when we were in Denver in that women's prison. Like when I was on a missions trip in Honduras and, and I was sitting there sharing uh, Jesus with people. And we tried to pray for this gal to heal her. I've told the story before. She had this big open wound on her stomach and it didn't heal. I was waiting for God just to go and heal her and go, yeah, you know, but that didn't happen. Walked out of there a little sad, started leading a VBS. But what I did see is a guy across the road uh, on a construction site and I wasn't too into the VBS thing. So I walked over across the road and I started talking to these construction workers in Honduras. So needless to say, I wasn't doing a good job language-wise talking to them. I, I knew enough Spanish from my classes and stuff in school to be dangerously wrong, probably, right? You're like telling them weird stuff. But I was trying to express Jesus to them. I did have this like little help thing that told them the gospel. And, and so I was like showing them this. And this one guy was genuinely moved. And the translator saw me and came over to help and led this person to Jesus. A few days later, this was an outskirt village of Honduras. We're in the middle of Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Days later, miles and miles, a lifetime away from this village, basically, on a mission trip with just four people from our church, my wife and I and two kids. We're on this mission trip, and, and we're downtown shopping, and it's torrential rain hits, and we're running back to the car, and a hooded gentleman starts chasing us down. Hey! Hey! And we're thinking we're going to get robbed or beat up or what's going to happen, right? And when he gets up to us, he flings back the hood, and it's that construction guy. And he wraps the biggest hug around me, and he's weeping, and he reaches inside his coat and shows me a Bible that he had just come downtown to purchase. Blessed are the eyes that get to see moments like that, but you have to be present to see it. Worship team, you can come up. Philemon 6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you can have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. We just have to get out and be active. We have to be bringers. We have to be those that would bring the gospel with us when we go out. And then those who it impacts, we could bring them back in to be encouraged and equipped. And these 72 were active in their faith and they saw some amazing things and Jesus began to reveal to them. The reason they were able to see these things is they went out, they showed up, they were present amongst people, connecting and serving and sharing Jesus with them. And that's what allowed them to see what they saw. You can say you were apart, but unless you brought someone, you don't discover the full reward, <laughs> you know? You can say you were apart, but unless you gave. Or you can say you were apart, but unless you stepped out of your comfort zone. It's cool to fund and help whoever's going to show up to the meeting and choose to go to Surabaya, Indonesia, and just trust God to provide for them. But whoever goes to Indonesia and sees the things they see, the story will be different, right? I, their eyes will see. Their ears will hear things that are just... Ask me if you want more information about that meeting today. What about Big Give? Man, the only way 
I'm like a walking billboard. Talk about product placement. Anyway, they, uh, you know, this Saturday, we will give away 500 meals plus at Walmart. And another 500 meals in Sumner through this event that we inspired just a few years ago. People who are desperate and need. And we're going to be walking to their car and hearing their stories if we're present. Might be raining, might be cold. What does it matter? What does it matter? Unless you're present, you miss the revelation, the moment. Those who never go, never see. But blessed are the eyes that see and those that hear. We're going to take a moment and be in worship, give you a chance to turn over your connection card and look at that and just go, what do I do with all this? And there's some suggested applications there. Maybe you're thinking, man, I... I need to go be a part of Big Give next week because that would give me an opportunity in our, my city to see her. Maybe you're thinking right now, I know people in, in South Prairie and they're people of peace and I should introduce them to someone. We should do something. We can't wait any longer. Hashtag no time to sleep. Represent. Hashtag. Anyway, uh, you know, I just go, come on. God's going to stir some things in you. Jot it on your connection card. Check whatever box is applicable. Maybe today you're here hearing Jesus for the first time, and you need to make a decision to follow him. We're going to pray that right now. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to crack open your word and be challenged on so many levels. Don't let us sit back and have comfort and apathy. Let us awaken and go out and into the community. We really don't have an inside because we have no church. Like, we're mobile. We're always outside. This is outside. But yet, we still have to share and find the people of peace and pray for the workers and, and, and not just workers to make a Sunday happen. Like, workers that are going to go out and, and, and pioneer new things. Start new campuses. Start new churches. God, just give us the courage to, to go beyond this 10 o'clock service. Maybe we should be looking at, at other services in other cities and doing more to reach the communities around us that need your peace, your hope, that need salvation, the thing that we really receive joy from and you receive joy from. Whatever it is that we need in here, just wreck us, help us to see it. God, if there's someone here who's yet to follow you as their Lord and Savior, if they've yet to make that moment of following Jesus, the pinnacle moment, the thing that we're supposed to rejoice over, right now may they just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Help me learn what that means. And God, may you supernaturally right now allow yourself to be revealed to them. And may this be a Sunday like no other they've ever dreamt of and their future radically transformed. Just like that guy in Honduras. I didn't even speak his language. But to see the transformation in days in that man's life. And it's happened in every one of ours. Let us have eyes that would see. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's talk. If you have a question about what you've heard today or if you have a need we can pray with you about, feel free to click on the Let's Connect or Need Prayer button on the upper right side of the Message Archive page. Or if you're listening on iTunes, you can always email info at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join in the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can give online at livinglifeopen.com by following the Giving tab and clicking Give Now. 
We're excited you took the time out of your busy week to listen to our talk. But have you ever thought about visiting us on a Sunday morning? We meet at 10 a.m. each Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School. We would love to see you on a Sunday, and then you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing online. Finally, stay up to date with everything open life by visiting livinglifeopen.com, following us on Twitter, or liking us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day and week.